You're listening to The Sower's Almanac, the church planting podcast of Ransom City Church. For more media content, visit ransomcitychurch.org. Hey guys, welcome back to The Sower's Almanac. I'm Seth, and with me is Sean, um, who we had on not that long ago. You had an episode with me, Uh, so Sean's back on with us. You can right now. It sounds like I'm making this up. No, I'm said here. <laughs> Sean was nodding, <laughs> which is good for an audio podcast. <laughs> I didn't really cue you very well. That was my fault. It was just funny. Um, but yeah, Sean's with me. Um, we're this time we're talking about a more serious topic. Um, we're going to be talking about um, racism and kind of talking about how to engage that. Um, as a, a pastor, church planter, just somebody in ministry, Sean uh, yeah, is a leader in our church, uh, leads a community group. Um, and so, are you talking about the Oreos? Yeah, they're bad. They're not good. We have Trader Joe's Oreos. If you can hear us, Trader Joe's. Step, step, step your game up. up. Please That's, I guess, what we're trying to say. They're not very good. Um, but Sean, Sean also uh, leads people in our church, and so this is something he navigates as well, as far as how do you engage that after... Unfortunately, uh, the issue of racism is alive and kicking in our country, and we've seen that time and again this year. And so we've had far too many opportunities to engage this, which we'll get mm-hmm. into in a second. But really, that's what we're going to be discussing, the, the reality of racism and how to engage that um, as pastors, as leaders uh, in the church. And so at, at the outset, there's there's kind of a disclaimer I wanted to give. Uh, f- it, for those of you who don't know, um, because again, this is an audio podcast, so you don't have a picture of Sean. Uh, <laughs> both Sean and myself are both white. Um, so yes. I'm highlighting that to say neither one of us know exactly what this is like. We have not experienced racism personally ourselves, like as far as us being on the brunt end of it. We just have not. Uh, you know, we're, we're both white males who very much have benefited from the reality of systemic racism in our country. Like whether we want to admit that or not, that's the reality, um, an uncomfortable one, but, but true. And so I'm highlighting that to say, we're not going to be experts on this field. It's not like we have all the answers and have it all figured out. Um, and you and I both would say have still tons to learn. Yes. And, and that's kind of a, a theme of this conversation is being willing to learn, uh, especially for those of you who are white, who are our listeners and, and are in the same boat, um, just kind of a willingness and humility to learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ that have experienced this, whether it's our African-American brothers or, uh, or the like um, other minorities in this country who've experienced stuff like this. But at the outset, we have not, we've not been on the brunt end and and so we're far from experts on this topic and so i highlight that to say uh for one bear with us and and show us grace and that we're going to do our best to navigate this uh but you know there's a chance i may speak out of turn on something just because i haven't experienced it so we're going to do our best obviously to not do that but just be gracious and understanding toward us and that we don't know all of this haven't experienced all of this but also if you are somebody who has, uh, we do want to learn from you. And so uh, this is another episode that we would love to hear from you guys uh, if you have something to chime in. And so, again, ransomcitychurch.org, uh, click on the contact tab. Uh, there's a way uh, on that form for you to submit a question into the Sower's Almanac. If you want to engage us, we, we're more than willing to listen uh, on this issue. But we do want to talk bluntly about uh, the, the issue at hand, that it is an issue. And so 
that's one of the, one of the first things is why talk about this? Uh, why, why is this a topic, especially for us at the Sower's Almanac being a church planting podcast? Why are we talking about this issue? And so I wanted to give you guys kind of the answer to that as we get started. Um, and really one of the biggest answers to that question has been the year that 2016 has been. Yeah. It has been a dark year. Uh, as far as the issue of systemic racism in our country mm. uh, that has repeatedly reared its ugly head um, in a way that I, it is impossible to ignore. Uh, you, you have to really consciously be trying. I think that's, I don't know if it's necessarily just this year, but it's becoming with the, the um, technology that we have, it's, it's all in your face. And that's exactly, it's, yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily exactly more or less, it but it's, it's more in our face than it's ever has been. No, you're because, right. Um, it just, it, we're, we live in this technological age. Well, and right. It's, so 2016, we've had a lot of instances where we've seen it on full display because of cameras on phones and that people readily recording because of the technology. But it, this really, this year, as dark as it has been, has really just been a taste of what's been going on the whole time. There, there's probably way more incidents than we want to admit of this that just never got reported and never got covered. This is, uh, to give you some perspective, and, and yes, I do wholeheartedly believe the African-American community in our country has taken the brunt of this as far as police brutality and a lot of those different things in ways that other people haven't felt quite to that degree. Um, uh, other groups as well, but I think black Americans in particular have really taken the brunt of this. Um, and there's a long history of racism to get us to this point. Uh, but this is a taste of what they've been dealing with forever. This is not, you know, if you talk to your African American brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going to tell you that, that this is not, (laughs) this is not 2016 was a way worse year than normal. 2016 was, was probably a normal year. Um, that we're just, the curtains peeled back now. Cause like you said, the technology is now there. Um, and so that's something to know. That's why we're talking about this is we have had it in our face because of technology, but it's not probably not worse as far as data than my guess is that it's been for a long time. Um, Kenny, I know you, you and I, Sean, and part of the reason uh, to, to you listeners, I invited Sean particularly to this conversation because him and I talk about this a lot after a lot of these headlines yeah. hit and try to process what is going on and, and the sin issue of racism and, and this just keeps happening and how do we engage this and how do we talk about it uh, and with humility and try to keep learning and asking questions and, and sensitively uh, showing you know our African-American brothers and sisters in particular that, that we do love them, we do hear them, their concerns are valid. Um, and so we talk about this <laughs> pretty much any time it's in the news, which has been far too often this year um, in particular, as we said. Uh, you, I know you're probably more, even than me, well-versed on all the different kind of things in the headlines that have instances of this happening. I know Alton Sterling, yeah. uh, Philando Castile. Uh, yeah, I, I hope I'm saying these right. Ch- Terrence Crutcher was another one. I mean, yeah, and it, it's, it's difficult, just names becoming hashtags. Yeah, um, that's I. That's how frequently it keeps happening. You know, yeah, it, it's very difficult, and I, I, I do think that's true. I think we talk about it. You know, we meet up at least once a week, and I think we talk about it about once a week. Yeah, pretty much every um, time. If it's not a new headline, it's, um, it's it's something else. It's something to do with 
systemic racism and it, yeah. and, it, and we um we're not the only ones that we talk to about it but it is good for us to bounce it off each other and as two white males to, to think about what can we what can we do how do we right. how, how do we, we work through this, this? um and and also kind of make sure that we're not i don't know just not crazy or <laughs> right. you know really right. think about it yeah kind of think tank mm-hmm. how to engage that well um but to give you, I, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a primer because you and I are both tossing the term around, but I think for some people they might not be familiar. Like we've both said systemic racism and are going to continue to say that term. Um, and so I wanted to give you guys a primer on that. It, in essence, systemic racism means that uh, racism is not this like thing that kind of shows up as a blip on the map in this country of like, oh, we had another instance of it. Oh, that's bad. Let's just try to learn from that and move on that that racism in this country and I'm going to use kind of the the I think really definition at this point of that term as well which would be a system of advantages based on race so racism is um, and so we as white Americans have benefited from that system being in our favor um, and systemic racism would say that's built into the very fiber of our country and the system's and organization that's in place it's not you know it's not like a surface level issue that we can just oh we'll just clean up that mess it's ingrained uh we and and a lot of it comes down to just the very dark history of racism and discrimination in our country going all the way back to its founding like to give you guys perspective this is something that we made uh, allowances for and regulations for in the founding of our country with slavery. This is something that, like we regulated it. That's that's how deeply ingrained it is in the identity of this country. Yeah. Yeah. And so this isn't that when we say systemic racism, we, we mean it's built into the very system. The analogy that I've heard used that I think is helpful, um, and it's very similar to how we as theologians talk about sin at large. Uh, so it, it really same metaphor but it definitely applies to systemic racism which is that's the direction the conveyor belt is headed in already the direction of the conveyor belt is to continue to uh, disadvantage African Americans in this country as well as other minorities and advantage uh, whites in this country that's the the kind of machine that's started and continued Um, that's that's the idea of systemic racism going all the way back to the founding with what I said about really slavery being built in, baked in to the yeah. founding of our country. I mean, we, we that's not a comfortable reality, but it, it is a reality. That's true. And so it really starts there. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's something to bear in mind is this is not a new problem. This is an always problem for, for the USA. This has always been there. And so that's what we're talking about when we're saying systemic racism. It's built into the very organization and, and systems that, function in our country and that's shown up in you know, interactions with the police in particular yeah i think i think part of the reason we say it like that is because sometimes people when they think about racism they just think about it's um people hating each other mm-hmm. people um using racial slurs and really just it, they think deep hatred and um it's not, it doesn't always look like that. Racism peaks, peaks, peaks out its ugly head in all sorts of situations, and it's not always um, just that one uh, racist person that you have in your head when you think of that's right. just going to call people names. And right. No, it's, it's the idea of 
you don't realize it, but you put yourself on a pedestal sometimes. And and, and I'm saying this to <laughs> two white guys two sitting in a room. Yeah, someone, and I'm saying it to someone who's white, obviously. Yeah, right. Um, but that's how it looks. Um, and it, so we say it's systemic because it's it is a systemic problem. It's um, there are those people who are do just straight out hate other people, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of people who might not really feel like they hate others, um, but they don't understand. But they they still hold tight to a lot of things that are very unjust. Right, stereotypes or prejudices or different things. And case in point, here's why we're highlighting that. There, there's way too much evidence for this, and that's why we're confidently using that term. Uh, case in point was one of the most recent incidences with, you heard the audio of the police officer talking uh, about that, yeah. that man from the helicopter who says... <laughs> says that guy looks like a bad dude, and yeah, we, you and I have like, talked he about looks this. Like one bad dude, and and uh, he was, you know, I, I I don't know how high, hundreds of feet <laughs> up in the air, very far away, um, and sees a large black man. Uh, I believe he was wearing a white t-shirt. Yeah, there he had no weapons on him. Um, Other than being big and African American, that's it. That's right. all the data there was. To make that assertion, and that yeah, that shows how uh, just jacked up yeah things can get, and yeah. I and I, um, you know, we being Christians, we we, we want to say this all in love, where it's like I don't I don't hate the guy who said that, but something something in him made him say that, mm-hmm. and and it, and it has to do with media and and i'm not i'm this not going to go on this thing we're talking I'm not, I'm not going to go on a rant about media or anything no, but like you're right. because everyone blames media for everything any side will blame media and, right um but but that's what it is it's a systemic thing where someone has told him that this is what a bad man looks like or right bad dude he's got like, that in his head and there's you know <laughs> i'm like what's the you know to me it's like that that just shouldn't be. I'm I'm a big dude, but I'm white, so somehow I wouldn't be the the bad dude in that situation. Right. Yet his his skin color is darker than mine, and and he is. It, that's just there's obvious issues in there. Right. If you don't it's, see it, that's and time and time again this year with the excessive use of force, particularly against black men in this country. The data is there. Like repeatedly, the data and the incidences of this are there. Of why does this keep just over and over again in times where it's just not necessary? Eric Garner being another one. Of just a, how do you even get to that point? The hardest, yeah, the hardest part of of I mean, I, I don't know if the hardest. I don't want to speak in superlatives, but uh, one of the the difficult parts of it is is always when you look at um, how it happened, how it started, and why this person was arrested. Um, it, it, there's never lots of those instances I'm not saying every one of them but lots of those instances were on such bogus charges if there was a charge you know there's videos of yeah know, even if they were it's just so excessive as far as the response even if there was something I mean there's there's videos in, of of like people getting arrested for resisting arrest <laughs> and it's no, like I've, I've, yeah i've heard of that. um and it's, it it doesn't yeah. make any sense you know there needs to be a, a charge first and they don't and and so yeah yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't the data is so glaring it's hard to even talk that so here's my point that i'm funneling toward with that 
systemic racism is just a historical fact about and historical reality in our country. This is not a political talking point. This is not like a debatable thing. And, and I firmly believe that that's, that's the truth. And I do, for those of you listening, I want you to hear that and reckon with that. Like, this is not like a debatable, like Democrats and Republicans back and forth can debate on these facts. Like this is the reality. And I say that because it does, it unfortunately becomes a political talking point repeatedly and it shouldn't be, but, but it does become one because anytime somebody points out, Hey, you know, African Americans or, or Latinos or a number of, of minority groups like that, but particularly we are focusing on African Americans that they've gotten the brunt of this are way more likely to have a you know, negative run in with police than white Americans are. You immediately have, this other camp that goes, well, wait a minute, in 2016, I mean, more whites uh, were blah, 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 blah. There was far more whites than blah, 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 blah. And, and let me give you, like, I'm not trying to be mean or rude with this. This is just kind of basic, basic how statistics work, but it immediately gets overlooked in these conversations. People grab onto a statistic like that and make it, it placates uh, either their responsibility or the accusations they feel like they're having against them of racism or prejudice or whatever. Um, it, it adds to their argument, so they latch onto it and they run with it. But hang on, like, we have to think through, uh, white folks in this country are still the majority. So just in how numbers work, you For have now. to know, For right, now. yeah, you have to know, of course there's going to be more like that, you got to figure that into how you do the statistics. You, but you're looking at based on how many of people of these different races there are on this in this country. Then let's look at how many run-ins these people have with police. Oh, this is disproportionate. Why, you know, for for being a minority minority group, this group of people is having far more run. That just doesn't make any sense. Like with this number, even though. Uh, there might be more incidences uh, with white folks. Like there are more white folks. That's just how stats work. Like I know that I'm not trying to be condescending with that, but like people just, they forget basic how to discern facts that are being thrown around. Like, and this is, this isn't an indisputable, this isn't a disputable reality. Racism is alive and kicking in this country and systemic racism is alive and kicking and continues to be a problem. Um, and, and that shows up in how many incidences of police brutality and excessive force we've seen this year against African-Americans in, in particular, and specifically African-American males uh, more often than not, like over and over and over again on repeat. How many times are we going to have this headline before we go, yeah, I think we got a problem. And, and we do. And I do want to start there. Like, it's not a talking point. It's just true. And so we have to, we have to come to terms with that and reckon with that and admit it. It's like with any sin, like you guys are Christians. We're, we've talked about theology from the beginning. You're not going to like battle sin successfully while denying denying its existence. Are you like for us to grow in any area of sin and struggle? It starts with us confessing that there is an issue. Like I know that's the cliche of like, you know, a lot of recovery groups and stuff like that. The first step is admitting you have a problem, but that's true. Like we have to admit there is a racism problem in this country and it is systemic if we're going to get anywhere. Um, And so it's not a talking point, it's a reality. And so now let's grip with that and wrestle with that and admit it. And I, I think, and then figure out how to respond to it. But I think a lot of the problem, like tell me if you agree, Sean, but like 
from what I've seen, I think a lot of damage and a lot of struggle with this conversation and why this conversation often doesn't get off the ground is because people hear the word racism, they immediately get defensive and then shut down the conversation. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and white folks in particular, for some reason, a lot of, of that, a, a lot of, a lot of white people are, are, yeah, they're afraid to admit it. Um, they're afraid to admit that they might have some racism in them. Exactly. Yeah. Which they probably do. Cause I, I, I know I do. I think we have to admit for this conversation to go anywhere that we all do as far as white that, Americans that things in this have country. Been taught to us that are ingrained in us, right? That we continue to confess and continue to try to, to get to know and love, uh, especially the black community, our, our black brothers and sisters, um, better and try to understand them more. But yeah, there needs to be that. Um, but for some reason, a lot of people want to make it seem like they just don't want to feel guilty. You know, it's that they don't, you know, this, I don't know. I don't know if white guilt is a, is a saying or not, but I, I feel like people would say something like that where it's just like, well, sure. Just make us feel guilty. Like, why are you making other, it's like, well, I think there should be a lot of guilt. Um, but that's okay. I think, uh, we can get through that guilt and understand that this doesn't have to stay this way. Right. Um, but right. there's some guilt. There's quite right. a bit. Yeah. Right. And, and like with anything, we've got to, we can't just have that knee jerk reaction. where We just immediately deny it and then don't think and actually examine our hearts and go, is there some reality to this? Cause if we all do that, just the knee jerk reaction, no, no, I'm not. And that's exactly what happens. It happens over and over again. People hear the word racist and they just, oh, I'm not racist. It's like, well, hang, hang on. Like, and, and that's no, where, yeah, that's where I was going back to like the whole, I'm not calling you a, you know, a, a crazy bigot. Right. I'm not crazy. Right. I'm not calling you um, some hateful term. I'm not call. I'm not saying you are this hateful person. And it's just, it's just the fact that it's ingrained into our system. So chances are you're holding on to something, especially as a white, um, a white male or, or female. Um, right. Where, you just have been taught things that just aren't true. That you might not even realize are there. And that's what we talk about when we say systemic. It's so baked into the bread that we, you probably have prejudice you don't even realize you have. And, yeah. and like, so the reality is like people groups, every people group, we, we all have, I think everybody to, to some extent, there's kind of a sliding scale, but I think everybody has some prejudice in them. Uh, to some degree, like, I mean, it just, I I think it's consistent theologically to say that, like, we all have brokenness there because of sin, because of the fall. So we all have, um, so I'm not just talking to white folks and saying we, we all have prejudices, but I am specifically zooming in on, on white folks, white Christians in particular in this conversation, because we are still the ones benefiting from this broken systemic racism. We just are. Um, And so I think we are going to be a lot of the proactive solution to it and seeing some, some movements and progress in trying to hopefully be a part of fixing a broken system. Cause yeah. we should want to see that redeemed and changed. And we, we shouldn't be just numb to all these headlines that like up happen again and we just do nothing. And, um, and to the, you know, to the minority groups that are listening to the African Americans or Latinos or whoever, you know, is listening that is not Caucasian. You know, I, I, our hope is that it show, we're trying. We're yeah, trying. Right. Yes. I, I think. That's, I hope you I, can hear I that. I think that's as, as best as we can say is we're trying. And forgive our fumbles and and teach us because I want this is something I want to continue to to grow in. 
Um, yeah, we're trying to understand, but I think most important, we're just trying to love um, right. uh, Christ-like, trying to show Christ-like love to um, all those, everyone, not just right. Right. not just one select group. Right. So that, I wanted to start there. I, it, it is a reality. You know, it, it's one that you, you choose what you want to do with that information. But I, the right move is to acknowledge that it's a reality instead of denying it. So the, the question is, now what? You know, we're seeing this, we're seeing this show up in the headlines as often as it, it happens. Um, and just over and over again on repeat, being reminded of this problem. Uh, and this year in particular, though, as we've said, it's been happening forever um, since the founding of this country. What, what's our obligation, you know, as Christians, how, what should we do? Um, particularly as, as pastors, leaders, church planters. And I would argue, I, I think we do have an obligation to do something. I think we have an obligation to, at very least, uh, speak out when we see it. When it happens again for like the 50th time, <laughs> I think as pastors, as leaders in the church, what we can't do is remain silent <coughs> and turn 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 our head, turn our eyes the other way and pretend it's not happening. No, I, I think we do as an obligation have, or as leaders have an obligation to say something and acknowledge this is a problem. Um, this is an issue. And yes, it's happened again and it's sin and it's brokenness and to not deny it, but proactively speak out against it. Um, and unfortunately I've seen a lot of not that happening. Uh, in response, which is why we're talking about this. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of, you know, leaders and, and sometimes prominent leaders, leaders who uh, we otherwise respect that have, I think, fumbled the ball uh, on engaging this issue um, by either not saying anything right, uh, and being eerily silent, which, by the way, everybody can hear your silence. I know that's not comfortable, but it's true. Like, people notice when you just disappear when this stuff happens. So either complete silence or worse, just denial and just, well, I don't know if it's as bad as uh, everybody's saying, which for one is not true. Sorry. I'm, I'm going to come back to the facts and the facts are there that this is a problem. But also on top of that, uh, really super insensitive to uh, our African-American brothers and sisters or other communities that do face this and experience this like super insensitive to just, cut the conversation off the knees, deny its existence when people are feeling this every day. Uh, this is a reality. And so I, I think we do have an obligation to speak out. Um, would you agree? Yeah, completely. I, I think if, um, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get more into it, but if you truly believe in, in what scripture says in its entirety, but especially if you believe the, the Imago day that we are made in God's image, um, you should, you should be looking at that. And, and, uh, I think we'll dive into this more, but like when, when I think some of the issues is, um, a lot of these pastors aren't, sometimes maybe it's geographically that it's just harder, mm -hmm. but a lot of them are not engaged, um, or engaging themselves into other communities. Specifically yeah, I agree. The black community. I agree. Um, where when you say it's not that big of a deal, have you asked your, your, your black brothers or sisters in Christ if they think it's that, if they agree with you or not? Because yeah. I, I, I don't I, think they will. I know very few that, that think this is 
not a big deal that, that racism is right. You know, that it, as if racism doesn't exist and there's bigger things to worry about. Um, right. No, I mean they. This is if we're all created in the image of God, then we should um, grieve with each other. We should celebrate with each other. Um, and the problem is, we're we're not grieving. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not there to support. Right. We're, we're not. And I, many people have said this in articles after a lot of these instances, but we are certainly guilty of not mourning with those who mourn. If we immediately, yeah, no, it's not, it's not a problem. And what that's talking about, and that's, and that's where, not a way to pastor people. Yeah. And that's where it takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of throwing down our pride and throwing down what we don't know and trying to understand Right. And maybe not even trying to understand, but just grieving and mourning without understanding. Right. Um, and then maybe right. later. Even if, to you know what, I don't totally get it, but I want to, I want to learn. And even though I don't totally understand it, which again, we as two white guys are never going to totally understand because no. we don't experience it, but you can still grieve with those who grieve. Exactly. And acknowledge, I don't totally understand what you're going through, but I'm here for you and I love you. If you're seeing hundreds, thousands, of, of black brothers and sisters mourning the death of, of someone who was, was tragically killed through some kind of police brutality. Um, unnecessarily. Unnecessarily. And that's, and that's what we're talking about. It's not like the, the police don't have the authority to use force, but what we're talking about is there's been far too many instances, especially that we've seen this year on the news, at least more prominently, um, where it, it's just completely unnecessary. We didn't need to go there. That's not what needed to happen here. When you're talking about somebody selling selling loose cigarettes or yeah, I mean, like CDs, they don't need I, to be. I don't want to dive too far into it, but I, I know there's moments where people might have guns and things like that. Sure, but it usually starts with something so crazy of just like he, you know, got pulled over for no reason. And if there was a shootout later, it's still why are why are why are they getting targeted? Why 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 am I not getting targeted? And it's yeah, like, right. It, it shows right there. Um, but yeah, the, the whole just trying to understand in a, you know the what I know the um, the black community is really sick of is is <laughs> the typical um, kind of ignorant response of we don't have all the information. Yet. <laughs> yeah, um, that's, and that just shows that's that been a go-to response it, it, when you see all these people grieving and mourning. And you're like, well, it's, I don't want to mourn yet. I want to facts aren't all in. I want to get the facts. Do we do that with anything else? I don't know. Anything. I don't think we do. Like just thinking about like if a friend calls and tells me like, well, my mother passed away. I don't go, well, we got to wait for all the facts (laughs) on exactly what went down. But seriously, that's, that's how people are treating this. And we don't do that with anything else. And again, that should be indicative. We've got a problem. This is a systemic issue. We can't even engage it like we would normal things. Anything else we immediately get. Yeah. We don't do that with other stuff. I need to make sure that all of your, your facts are accurate (laughs) before I can do that. Um, Yeah. It's, it's, I think it it shines a light on. We got an issue. Here's one of the big, responses that's prompt prompted us to talk about this today is not only what we talked about it's an ever-present reality we keep facing with every headline but on top of that it's been the response to it that i've seen from a number of prominent evangelical pastors and leaders that i'm going to be honest i'll say it lovingly but are super disappointing Mm -hmm. and and very much drop the ball and miss the mark Mm -hmm. on an appropriate response to things like this and and here's the main one that i've seen and I want to address head on. And that's 
and I've seen this from a number of, of prominent leaders uh, who, again, I love and respect otherwise. Uh, but I think this is a moment where they've got some to, to work on, um, just like, I mean, we do with, with other. Sure. And, and with this, too, it's not like we got it all figured out. But, but seeing their response, I went, That's, that, we're missing the mark here. And the response was something, I'll, I'll kind of summarize it, but things similar to this. Uh, in essence, you know, why are we talking about this? This isn't a gospel issue. Can't we just get back to the gospel and focus on the gospel? That's what we should be focusing on. Hmm. And I've got a real problem with that response to this issue, um, for one very large reason. I mean, there's a number of issues with that. Uh, one being, we again, we don't treat any other sin that way at all. This, again, is indicative we have a systemic problem. If, if we're talking about, let's say, pornography, mm-hmm. okay, and we're talking about how serious that is and this is a problem and, and we need to, to call people to repentance on this, nobody's going to chime in and say, well, can't we just talk about the gospel? Why? I mean, this isn't a gospel issue. Let's just get back to the gospel. Why does that sound ridiculous? Well, because pornography is a clear sin issue that the gospel remedies. So to say, let's just get back to the gospel. No, this is the very thing we should be applying the gospel to. We need to talk about this issue so we can preach the gospel to it. The same applies to the conversation about racism. It makes no sense to respond to these things with, let's just get back to the gospel. Guys, the, the, the gospel is what causes us to speak up. The gospel, the, the good news of the gospel, the reality, uh, the, the scriptural truth about our sin and our need for a savior is why we engage any sin with the good news of the gospel. Racism is no different. When it happens, we should be, because of the gospel's work in our hearts and in our lives, spurred to action, spurred to preaching uh, truth to that issue. No, that is a sin issue. We need to call for what it is. But the good news is that Christ is bigger than even this. And even one day we'll, we'll completely redeem us from racism entirely. We, we eagerly await that day in his return. Like, but we, we to, to put those two things at odds makes no sense. We don't do that with any other sin. Mm. Does that make sense? It's just, yeah, it, totally. I, and I've seen that a lot and it's, it's like, I, I love, love my brothers and sisters. I, I don't want to, you know, presume the worst, but it just, man, it misses the mark. It just, it's not the proper response. You know, the gospel should stir us toward compassion to these people that, that are experiencing this. Um, stir us to speak out when we see blatant injustice, and that's what this is. Uh, and not to sideline it and be like, let's get back to the gospel. It's just putting two things at odds with one another that are not at all. I wanted to address the idea of like, hey, let's can't can't we just get back to the gospel? I think that response is coming from several places, uh, but from my observation, I think a lot of the reason for that response uh, is honestly political allegiance more than anything. I can't name anybody that I've seen that response from that's not Republican. Mm. That's not an accident. There's a direct correlation here. He's going there. I am going there. I I think we should. Um, I really think uh, political allegiance uh, for Christians in in a lot of cases has eclipsed reality. Yeah. Has eclipsed willingness to to call sin out when it happens, particularly the issue of racism when it shows up. Mm. Uh, Has, I'll, I'll go right for it. I think eclipsed Christ. Mm. I think we've let our allegiance to political parties 
become an idol that has now wreaked havoc on just how we observe and interact with the world. And that shows up with this issue. I really think that that's what's going on because everybody that I've seen that has that response, it's just my personal experience. I'm not making a blanket statement that it's true across the board, but everybody that I've seen has leaned right and been Republican. And I think that's a lot of what's going on. Um, I, I, I think a lot of this issue of struggling with how to engage the issue of racism particularly for white Americans has come from, or white Christians in particular has come from what I see to be a very unhealthy marriage that evangelical Christianity has had with the Republican party for decades at this point. And I'm going to call it for what it is. It's unhealthy. And I say that not again, don't, I'm not advocating the democratic party. Do not mishear me because that is Sean knows. He'll he'll start laughing because that's not what I'm doing. I'm not advocating either party. Uh, They're both human, flawed, full of sinners. And so there's going to be all kinds of sin and brokenness and problems with both parties. But that's exactly my point. We shouldn't have a political alliance as Christians with either party. There shouldn't be like this paper trail of very clear allegiance. And, And I, historically, I think that's exactly what's been going on for decades. Case in point, okay? We're part of the SVC. I'll pick on us a little bit. Uh, we've talked about this. Earlier in the year, they had booked, they were going to have Ben Carson come speak at, at some convention right. for the SBC. Mm-hmm. Why? What is that? And they've had um, what, like the, one of the Bushes. Yeah. I think W. Yeah. I'm not sure which one. And this has been going on for years. This is like run-of-the-mill stuff. And it's and not just the SBC. It's not a, a political event either. It's the no. convention. It's the I just... What is that other than an unhealthy marriage between the church and a political party? Because here, here's my point. If you wouldn't do that with the other party, mm-hmm. you imagine, you imagine the Southern Baptist Convention inviting Hillary to come speak at something. I can't. Like, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I, to my memory, I don't remember anything like that ever happening. If you wouldn't do that with the other party, why would you do it with any of them? Like, it just makes no sense to me. Uh, and you had Liberty. Liberty did the same thing with having Donald Trump come and speak and that whole debacle. Why does this keep happening? I, I think there is there is an unhealthy marriage allegiance with a political party that there should not be. You know, As Christians, our loyalty and our allegiance is to Christ. Is it not? Correct. That's, I mean, that's our allegiance. That's our loyalty. I don't think either political party or even if there was a third or or whatever, I don't think at any point it's healthy for us to have a direct loyalty and allegiance to any party that's that quantifiable. (laughs) You can go, why are we having these people speak it? Like, it's just bizarre. So, so it it makes it really confusing um, for a lot of Christians who are, you know, trying not to focus too much on political stuff, but then, um, you know, hear that it's a liberal thing to do to focus on um, racial injustices. Right. And it's, how how is this a a political stance? Of, yeah, of, it shouldn't be. Of, of uh, you know, someone being killed, someone being, you know, any, um, any injustice. Um, the the Martin Luther King quote of an injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. It's yeah. It's and so 
how how do we uh, say that it's just a, a political thing? Um, and I think that's what the Republican Party does a lot. That is what they do. Where it's and again, I'll pick on the Dem- the Democrats are they've got all their no, issues yeah. Too. And I'm, Neither party is clean, but but it becomes a liberal a liberal topic where or a democratic topic of you know right. why does this become a political thing? And I. I I don't understand. I mean, I I kind of do, but I, I don't always quite understand why this has somehow become a political thing. When yeah, when this is this is talking about treating others equally, right? Just with our, dignity, our, our best attempt to. I mean, we right. suck at it, but um, trying to do better at right. least. From it's kind of connecting those dots. Why I said I think a lot of these statements about, hey, can't we get back to the gospel or some something similar to that mm-hmm. of like kind of just shucking it to the side to ignore it. Um, I, I am linking that to political allegiance. And the reason I'm doing that is, I, and again, I think we've got just case after case of this this showing itself to be true. But the Republican Party has has quite a history of politicizing this issue. Um, and for one, let me be clear, both do in, the, in that they'll both wrongfully use moments like this to prove political points that are, it's insensitive. Like both are guilty of this. So I'm not, I'm not picking on just one party. They've both done it. But with the Republicans in particular, part of their platform for a very long time has to kind of been, be on the side of denying or minimalizing systemic racism. Now we can get into the ins and outs of why that is. I don't think it's a coincidence that that party tends to be the one going, well, hang on, we don't have all the facts yet. Yeah. And fortunately that's how this became politicized was, and it's not just them. Like I said, they both are guilty of kind of manipulating a very sensitive and serious topic for political gain. So neither one of them was clean on that, but that's why I think that statement a lot of times is politically motivated, whether people realize it or not. I'm not even accusing people for, of directly that's the case, but I think a lot of times it is, where they're hesitant to acknowledge racism and systemic racism because of their political allegiance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think it's a problem. Uh, so, And the reason I'm highlighting that, again, is, is our allegiance is to Christ. We shouldn't be uh, have these direct alliances and loyalties with either political party, our, our loyalty is to Christ. And so if either political party does things that are out of whack with our loyalty to Jesus, we choose Jesus every time. Right. And this is a case, where, I'm sorry, this is a case where that's the case. Yeah, the, we, where we can't just ride the political lines and, and go with the Republican kind of platform of, well, we don't have all the facts yet, but like, that's not right. We got to call it for what it is. In the same way, in the same way, let me be clear, I'll pick on everybody, but like in the same way we can't do that with abortion on the left. Like right. we, we, as Christians, you can't. Those are, those are two examples of moments where our allegiance to Christ needs to trump, sorry, <laughs> not, no, not to bring him up, I don't mean him, but needs, needs, to, needs to be primary over our political allegiance. When we're forced to choose, we choose Jesus. And so that's the case on acknowledging and, and dealing with an engaging racism. Um, and so I wanted to highlight that and I wanted to highlight that for if you are a listener who tends to lean right and be more conservative and Republican for one, we love you. I'm not, not headhunting here. I'm not going after you in that way, but I do want you to wrestle with if we've been ruffling your feathers this episode, 
Why is that? Um, you know, is, are you hesitant, you know, to acknowledge this issue and engage it with compassion um, because of your political allegiance? And I think, I think that may be true for a lot of Christians. I do. I think that may be true. And examine that. And, and again, with anything, our loyalty should primarily be to Jesus. And so that's true for those on the left, too. And yeah, I just, I mean, this issue, for, for whatever reason, there's a lot of, I think, historical reasons for this. But I think the Republican side of the aisle tends to struggle acknowledging more than the liberal side of the aisle, which, as we said, sometimes acknowledges, but for the wrong reasons, to, to kind of run with it and, and use it as a weapon against the right. So neither one of them is clean. But anyway... I do want you to ask yourself that question. I don't think there's too many that are listening that would be this way. But I mean, I understand that there's, if Christ is, like you said before, Christ is our allegiance. He's our, he's always the allegiance. And so I think sometimes we can get skewed of, of what we're after. Um, You know, of, of, I think he totally wants justice. He wants us to be treated, um, who we are we're made in the image of god but we always have to make sure that we're doing it uh focused on god not focused on uh just i I don't know how to say it exactly but it's not too focused on a certain race or focused on a uh the government i mean we're, we're focused on on jesus right the whole time that's ultimately our goal is to glorify him mm-hmm. and loyalty to him and his will yeah, no, absolutely. Um, here's one of the reasons, kind of circling back to why does this matter for pastors? And obviously we're a church planting podcast, so for church planters in particular as well. And here's why we're talking about this from a practical standpoint. You're going to have a really hard time pastoring your church effectively, especially if you are in a diverse area if you refuse to acknowledge racism for what it is and when it shows up, if you immediately jump to, well, we don't have all the facts and well, way more whites have been arrested, but all this mm-hmm. stuff that we've been talking to, you know, talking about and speaking to, if that's your response, you're going to have a real hard time compassionately and lovingly pastoring uh, anybody in your church who's not white. Right. Like Really? And, and I do want you to, I want that to give you pause. That should, that should give us kind of a second of, well, hang on, that's, let's examine this then. Like, but I, I, that's true. Like, if you're, like, let me give you, for instance, again, I don't know. We're again, two white guys will keep saying that. But, <laughs> but if I'm an African-American Christian looking for a church, I'm looking at churches, right? I'm, I'm new to a city. And I'm checking out and visiting different churches and I go to one and they either are, are so deadly, deathly silent uh, on, on these issues that it's glaringly obvious. Anytime anything happens that, Hey, maybe we should say something. There's just nothing. Nobody does anything. There's not even a murmur. That's going to weird me out. Uh, or worse yet, if I'm checking out churches and one of the churches I visit, the pastor on social media keeps posting links denying systemic yeah. racism. Uh, and I'm an African-American Christian. I'm probably not very comfortable uh, with that church or at least thinking, hey, is there other options? Like I, I just, and again, I don't know. I'm not in that position, but I would tend to think if, if I'm somebody in that position, 
I'm going to have a hard time being comfortable in a church like that. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, you know, you, you kind of started off saying, you know, if you're in a diverse area, if you're in like a city or something like that, but we're, we're getting to the point in America where the, the, the white population will no longer be the, the majority um, soon. I, I don't know what the year was. There was some year. Right. I've somewhere. seen some of the projections. Um, yeah. And it's, it's getting pretty close within the next, I don't know how many years. I'm not even going to throw it out there because I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's coming up there. So even these majority white little towns are becoming not majority white little towns anymore. There, or at least if, even if they're still the majority, there's other people um, from wherever. Mm-hmm. Whether it is the black community, whether it is uh, Latinos or, or, or refugees. I mean, that's something we didn't really talk about, but it's reality too of like, how do we talk to, how do we talk to them? And it's, it's similar of just being, you know, just being... Um, being Christ-like and showing them Christ-like love rather than not bringing up subjects. Right. Um, Just avoiding them, denying them. Not helpful. Right. And, and, and (laughs) I said it before, but I'll say it again. And this is something I've been thinking about a lot with all these headlines that keep happening, but honestly, pastors, especially my fellow white pastors who are like us, just trying to, trying to grow, trying to learn, um, but I will tell you, you know, we have much to learn because we don't experience it ourselves, right? I will tell you, your silence is deafening when things like that happen and you say nothing. I'll give you a prime example. This this one got me fired up. I'm going to be careful with how I talk about this. But the, uh, well, I, I think it was, was it the Filano Castile and uh, what was the other? There was the two shootings like right back Alan to back. Sterling. There we are. And Alan Sterling. So that happens, right? On the heels of that, wasn't it right after that was that the it, Dallas... Am I, am I right? I, it's, I it's, think you're right. I think it was those it's two. It's troubling to... It's hard. There's been so many we can't even remember it's the troubling timeline. To, That's to upsetting. Think right now that I can't remember what's what because it's it just seems to all happen in a blur right now of just... It, and this is what we're another. talking about. It's undeniable. Like when, when we're literally going, which one was that? It's happened so many times. Like there's been a n- recent round of them that I'm not even like caught up on as far as news cycle. It's just... It's crazy. So here... Here's what I say. Like, so I think it was Flano Castile, and and again, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that. And Alton Sterling, and on the heels of that, from what I remember, I think was the the Dallas shooting was like right after that, where the the guy was shooting it and killing police officers at the was I think it was a protest in Dallas against pre- police brutality yeah. kind of thing. Was it? It was either Black Lives Matter or something similar that was having a, a march or a protest. And this sniper was killing cops. And what I and here's the thing. Let me be very clear. Both of those things are evil. Right. Obviously. I hope that's obvious. We're not picking and choosing. And that's the point. We shouldn't pick and choose which sins we're going to talk about and not. They're both egregious. They're both murder. It's not good. Like, and anytime cops overuse their force and kill somebody unnecessarily, that's egregious. And anytime somebody murders police, that's egregious. They're both unjustifiable, indefensible, and and God is not pleased with either. And so I just want to be clear on that. I'm not defending either one. But I did see a trend on social media that I promise you other people noticed. And that was, there's a lot of people, and it wasn't just leaders, but when it's pastors and church planters, it's even more noticeable, where you had Alton Sterling and Philando Castile, those two incidents happened. Complete radio silence. 
Nobody says anything. And then the Dallas shooting happens. And all of a sudden, those same people that said nothing the first time posting all this stuff about Blue Lives Matter. <laughs> Guys, people notice. Like, and, and your silence on the first one is deafening. And the problem is, whether you know it or not, you're making a statement when you do that. Do you when you pick and choose which one you're going to talk about. Do you remember about. when we were talking to someone from uh, one of the churches that, that helps us out? And she said that there was a cop that got killed in her hometown and they used yeah, yeah. they used something else. It wasn't Blue Lives Matter. And I don't remember what it was offhand. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. It was something like, ah, oh, I don't it, it was It was a different... But it, something it made, the blue. It made sense. Yeah, I can't remember what um, it was. And it didn't sound like you're you're trying to say one matters more than the other. Now. Yeah, they kind of changed the rhetoric for. Because obviously, that we don't need to go into why all lives matter. Is just uh, uh, it's a whole so it's a whole other thing that we don't need to get into because we I'll know get into that. it real quick. <laughs> I don't mind doing it. Uh, I won't make it a whole thing, but in essence, here's the very quick summary of why the all lives matter response is not helpful. Uh, for one, Black Lives Matter is not saying that all lives do not matter. That has never been their platform. Their, their platform has been all lives do matter, but black lives are being undervalued. That's their point. It's inherent in the statement that all lives matter. And what they're saying is one group of lives is not being treated like they matter. That's what black lives matter means. Now, as we can get into black lives matter is not a perfect movement as far as from a Christian perspective, some of the other things that they back for sure. I'm not going to defend all of that. Um, there's actually a really good sermon that I would recommend. I think it was gospel coalition and I can't remember who it was that put it out, but you can search for this. And the title of it is, uh, is, uh, black lives matter, the new civil rights movement. Interesting. It's really helpful where they navigate. Here's some of the things where we can't as Christians totally support some of these things. But their point was there's not a Christian evangelical alternative to that movement, unfortunately. And so like to some degree, like there should be some support from us as far as the the main thrust of what they're about, which is all lives do matter, but black lives are being undervalued and we should talk about that. Black lives should be treated like they matter, right. like so, everybody else. So when you were saying that that after that police shooting, uh, when the police were shot in Dallas, that Blue Lives Matter came up, it yeah. it showed something. It, it, it Of course, we're saying that that is a tragedy, that, that those... But those that were killed in that shooting in, in Dallas, those police officers, that's a tragedy. Um, those are human souls that, that um, are, are no longer on earth. But, but we do have to, to take it to the, you know, what are we talking, you know, like why are some of these leaders in churches only talking about that? I mean, why aren't they talking about the, the topics that, Right. Um, Silence on the other two, and now you're going to chime in? It doesn't look good. And here's the thing. Some like some of you guys may be thinking, oh, I did do that. Like, if, if you are, I'm not accusing you of that's exactly what happened, but it's more, you may be in the camp of just be more conscious of that because you, you may be sending messages you don't even intend to send that one of you, one of those topics you do care about, the other the other you don't. And that's, and that's But hard. some, I think it is telling. That's hard because there's so many things going on. Just, you know, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's 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 a terrible argument if I said, well, you're speaking up about uh, racial injustice, but I don't even talk about abortion right now. So you right. must think, you know, yeah. and it's like, no, we want to be careful. And, and so not we're not saying people. one is 
but but there is and when those things happen back to back like that's that, why I'm highlighting it. It was a mo- it was like a time capsule of like I think we're seeing the problem on display here. Like the fact that we're willing to talk about the cop end of it, but right before that, we're not comfortable enough to call racism for what it is in, in some of the other instances. And to be clear, okay, we, we said at the outset, but let me just wrap this up with this idea so you're not uh, mishearing us or distracted by it. Like, again, we're not, I'm not going to say every one of those cases of police excessive use of force, like that the suspects or what, how, whatever you want to call it, that they behaved perfectly or anything like that. I'm not going to say that because like, that's too much of a blanket statement. Some of them, I think there are cases sure. of like, what, how did we get here? Like, it doesn't seem like they did do anything wrong, but there's been other ones where it's a lot more blurry on that end. But our point has been with a lot of those cases, a huge, huge chunk of those cases, either way, the use of force was excessive of like, even if this person was doing X, Y, and Z, and the, why the did we use lethal the force the way of that we them, did? Yeah. You know, why yeah. were they targeted in the first place? Right. And, How did we get here? Yeah. So again, I'm not, it's, it's complicated and multi-layered on that sort of thing. Um, so kind of wrapping it up. Um, here's what I wanted to kind of close with, with this. And this is, you know, our plan was to talk about this for this conversation, but this is probably not the end of this conversation. Um, we may well talk about it again. And especially if we get enough response from you guys, I'm glad to continue the conversation, but I do want to challenge you guys, uh, to speak up, uh, to speak up when you see it, um, to examine your heart and ask yourself, is my ultimate loyalty to Christ or have I given a political party? And I mean, either one, uh, too much of my heart and too much of my loyalty when it should belong to Christ. Mm. And I, I shouldn't be throwing a political football Jersey on, and being like, this is my team. No, you're, Christ is, is who you belong to. You've been bought with a, with a price. And so your loyalty is to be to him. And so I do want you to examine your heart there. Um, I, think, I think sometimes speaking up doesn't always look like um, like what, what you think it means sometimes. Be, or what I think it means sometimes. I mean, sometimes I might you know, talk about it on social media or sometimes I might talk about it with friends, but sometimes speaking up is, is asking those questions. Exactly. Is exactly. Is, is yeah, we're not necessarily saying like you got to shout it from the hilltops on social media. That's not no. really what I'm getting at. Um, and speaking up is sometimes just asking those questions. Um, right. I've, I've said a few times specifically to white brothers and sisters in Christ of, getting to know people from different cultures and, and we've had so much focus on the black communities, getting to know someone obviously mm-hmm. don't start off with, with asking these questions of why, why is it not okay to say, you know, we don't have all the facts in or something right, that, yeah. that's insensitive, mm-hmm. but getting to know people, starting relationships and then being able to, you know, if there's trust there, you can get to that point of, right. of, of legitly trying to ask, I don't understand this. Right, teach me. Teach me. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I think, because yeah. um, I, there's just so much of it that we, that we as uh, me and you, and just you know the the white evangelical church, the white church in general, is just we're speaking up. Just sometimes meaning ask means asking questions. Yeah, yeah, and 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 speaking up may include. I don't really understand this. Like, just teach me. Like. I, I'm here for you. I like, I hear you. 
but I do need to learn. Like I, I don't feel like I know enough about this topic. So again, I'm, I, what I'm, I'm not advocating is that you get vocal on social media before you know what you're talking about. That's probably a bad idea. Don't do that. Yeah. So when I yeah, when we say speak up, that's not quite what we mean, which, okay, that, that leads us, you, you transition well into kind of how I wanted to wrap up. I just wanted to leave you guys, uh, like the preacher that I am, I can't help it. I got application points. So I've got, <laughs> there, there's three that I kind of wanted to share with you guys, um, that I, I think are part of a proper response. Uh, to systemic racism in our country when it rears its ugly head, and it, it is ever-present, unfortunately. But especially when you have another one of, one of these moments where we see it in the headlines with another incident, uh, which here's the unfortunate reality, it keeps happening. So it's going to happen again. Uh, I'd like to say it won't, but the likelihood is it, it, it will continue to happen. Um, so when it does, here's some here's some ways that I think we can properly... Uh, respond that are in line with the gospel and that honor Christ. So here's three that I, I wanted to just leave you guys with quick. Um, one is listen. Just kind of stop. stop. And again, particularly I'm zooming in, zooming in on my white brothers and sisters in Christ. Like, yeah. stop talking for a second and just listen. Actually listen to uh, particularly what... Uh, your uh, African-American brothers and sisters are saying, or Latino brothers and sisters, whatever community is dealing with this, stop talking and being vocal for a second. Give uh, that community, people in your life that you know that are a part of that community, give them the floor, give them the mic in your life uh, and really seek to learn something and go, Hey, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of this. I'd like your perspective because I want to, learn. I want to be able to engage this well and, and be compassionate and loving uh, when this happens and not, you know, say something hurtful, insensitive, ignorant, even if it's on accident. I, I, I want to learn. I want to grow. And so I would encourage you guys to do that and seek out those relationships. Now, be careful about that. Like, don't, <laughs> like, like I, I don't want you guys to go freak somebody out and just be like, come on, teach me. Like sometimes not there's not a time for that. You know, that's sometimes you want to give it a second. The but building of relationships is exactly very, that's more what I'm encouraging. Um, very important. But I, I heard somebody say this. I think it was, uh, I think it was actually Matt Chandler who did a good job engaging this after. I think it was after the Alton Sterling time frame that the the village started talking about this in a sermon series. But I think it was one of their people on staff. Uh, uh, I think it was one of their, because they had kind of a panel of, of black brothers and sisters from the village that were talking about their, how they feel when these sorts of things happen, what their experience is and the fear and, and a lot of stuff that resurfaces in these moments um, and, and what they feel like kind of all the time because of incidents like this. Like they, they were just given really good perspective. And I think it was one of them. I could be wrong in mixing up who, who I'm remembering, but somebody that pointed out like, hey, sometimes it's not the time to be like, teach me. <laughs> so, cause sometimes it is. And sometimes it's like, well, hang on. This is the like funeral part. Like this is the grief part. We don't, we don't start a, a class in the middle of that. Like let, let's give it a minute. Let's give it a beat. So be careful. I'm not telling you to be insensitive, but when appropriate, I would encourage you to pursue those relationships uh, with people who are experiencing things differently than you and ask questions. Uh, and try to learn and learn with compassion so that you can engage this lovingly and, and in, in a Christ-like way in the future. Um, I would encourage you to do that. And, and on the flip side for uh, our African-American brothers and sisters um, or any other 
minority group, not, not yeah. white, essentially. Um, I would encourage you guys, like, feel free to ask those questions of your white brothers and sisters in Christ of what their experience is like, because you may well learn uh, kind of where they're coming from in their own ignorance. Like, because, like, from, like, again, I'm not perfect. I'm going to have all kinds of sin and junk, but, like, I think on the flip side, it's good to learn, like a lot of times it's not malicious. It really is just coming from a place of ignorance because we haven't experienced it. Sometimes it absolutely is malicious. So I'm not defending all of that, but sometimes it is like, like for me, like you and I, I think are similar. We grew up in very rural, uh, predominantly white, small farming communities. Like Pretty much, yeah. it, that that's going to color our perception of the world. <laughs> And so there was all kinds of stuff that once I moved out of that environment, I had to learn. Be patient. Be be gracious. I'm not necessarily saying a lot of our being behind on this stuff or not understanding or ignorance is all that fair. <laughs> but but uh, in the same way, like we're telling everybody to be Christ-like. And so show uh, if your white brothers and sisters are struggling and, and they, they might just be ignorant and, and they're not trying to be, but they just are. Like be, be patient, be gracious, uh, and try to learn, you know, how are they what's their background and experience so that you can help kind of fill in your experience and learn from each other. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think experience is huge because I think, uh, that is something huge that, uh, where I don't have an experience what it deals to, um, a police, um, harassing me or right. anything like either. that. And I mean, I, I'm not saying that no white person has ever been harassed because they're, right. of course they're asked. Right. Um, but just, just less just, likely, just ask some questions, just, just, right. you know, just, um, find some, some people in the black community, ask them questions about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I know and far tell too, them, I know far too many, um, from, from the Midwest. Um, that, that's just where I'm, I'm, you know, Milwaukee or Chicago. And I have far too many friends who have terrible stories of just, um, being arrested for nothing, being arrested right. for um, a, a little charge, uh, being harassed by policemen, and these and these men are our fathers, our pastors, are great men of God, and yet it doesn't matter because of the color of their skin. And, right. And if and if you don't believe me, just just ask. Just just. just and that's what we're saying. I think if it. you start asking those questions of people around you, you're going to learn this stuff really quickly. Yeah. Like people will share with you what their experience is. And when you got a name and a face to this and somebody who, who you love and are building a relationship with you, that's telling you these truths about what they've lived through pretty tough yeah. to keep denying it. And I think that's good for us to, to reckon with that. Um, so yeah, pursue those relationships and, and do so with humility and a willingness to listen and learn um, I, I think the second thing, as we've talked about, is is we should speak up when things like this happen, and that may include just a "Hey, teach me. I don't know how to engage this, and and, and I want to learn." Um, at very least, it, it's not uh, a burden to, in these moments, just say, "Hey, racism is sin. Mm. It, this is a this is sin, and it's egregious, and it's it's heartbreaking, and." deserving of the wrath of God. <laughs> like this is yet another, like this is sin. Let's call it for what it is. Um, and, and you can definitely say that, um, and talk about, you know, we had, you know, I'll give you an instance and in, in not putting us up as a pillar as if we're, we're getting this perfectly right as a church or anything like that. But after the, 
Alton Sterling, uh, Philando Castile time frame. We did address this as a church, and it was brief, but we just had a quick uh, Greg, who, who you guys know from the podcast, uh, one of our other elders and, and worship leader, just had a brief, you know, hey, here, here's what happened. It was an unnecessary you know, taking of a, of a life, and we are grieved by that. Um, and so we just wanted to you know, say uh, for any of our, uh, especially African-American brothers and sisters in our church, like, we love you. We're here for you. We, we hear you. We hear your pain. Um, and, yeah, mostly just that we're here for you. And, and then kind of opened up the conversation. Like, it was brief, but we did that in, in a service when that happened because we felt like we should. <laughs> like, it just was a moment. And again, I'm not saying you have to handle it exactly that way. Um, but if it's appropriate, I'd say do it. Yeah, it's definitely. worth doing. And I remember we we went into a song of lament. I, I don't remember which song Greg picked mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Yeah, um, but it was appropriate. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh, I, I'm. It's something that's something we're not doing very well. Is just lamenting with, um, with other communities, with other cultures, with other people. Um, as the white church is specifically, but right. um, there needs to be more understanding of worshiping God through lament, not yeah. just praise. Yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. And so it was really appropriate. I mean, it's harder to find those songs of lament, yeah. but I think uh, if you can't find a song, uh, pick a song. <laughs> well, there's yeah. a lot of them. You'll find one. <laughs> there's a uh, lot. Yeah, of them. there's a lot of those. Um, and, and kind of related to this idea of speaking up when it happens and, and not being afraid to, and not being afraid to call racism the sin that it is and, and to preach that and talk about it. Like I've got uh, coming up, I think the beginning of, of 2017, uh, I will be preaching on racism from the pulpit. Uh, and kind of just a, a overall racism in the gospel. Like here, here's the sin and here's how, Here's the good news of the gospel preached to that and, and how the gospel changes us uh, and should change how we interact with one another and love one another. Um, I've got that coming up that I need to continue to prep for and learn for. But like mm-hmm. we're planning on talking about this more as a church because it. I, I think we should. I think this is something that, you know, if we're, if we're going to help see this part of our, the brokenness of our culture redeemed, I think we should talk about it and, and do our best to educate people on it, uh, from, a, from the scriptures, uh, from, from God's word and engaging it as the sin that it is. And so I would encourage you guys, if you've been considering that, like, I, I, I think it's a good move. Um, I, you know, pray about it. Uh, but, I, but I, in essence, be willing to go there. Um, and I've heard some, some good things from some people post some of those incident incidents that we've talked about where pastors said, Hey, other pastors, I want to encourage you guys be willing to throw <coughs> throw your uh, original plans aside to address this if you need to. Yeah, um, and, and just you keep, may need to keep the gospel as the center. I mean, that's exactly. a lot of this talk is not very fun, um, and I think that could be sometimes the reason why some people don't want to talk about it. Oh, for sure, it's it's yeah. not a fun thing to talk no. about. I don't want to admit it. Um, right. But I, there's no there's no choice. There has to be. We have to be honest with ourselves. And right. uh, the great thing about the gospel is there's hope. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I don't know when. <laughs> right. uh, you know, there. This is a constant uh, battle. Mm-hmm. We're, we're this is we're in a sinful world, uh, but we definitely. 
I, I love that you just said listen first because we, before we speak up, we have to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, the gospel is the center of it all. Yeah. And and again, I think the litmus test for speaking up is if you wouldn't be silent about any other issue, don't be silent about this. If, if something similar happened in the headlines and you'd mm-hmm. feel obligated to talk about it in another category of sin, then you should probably do it here. Yeah. Um, so wrestle with that again, I'm not going to give you like a, you got to do exactly these things or your sin, you're in sin or your church is in sin. I'm not saying that, but I'm more, I'm telling you to wrestle with this and, and really go to the Lord in prayer and ask, what would you have me do? Should I talk about this, uh, from the pulpit or, you know, in a community group or Bible study or sort of thing or in discipleship, but, but you probably need to be doing something uh, as far as engaging this, uh, that may, may just be, as you said, Sean, starting with, Hey, I don't know what I'm talking about. I need to learn first <laughs> before I say anything, yeah. uh, but do something in, in that regard and in, in speaking up and starting a conversation and going off of what you said, Sean, just kind of the final thing I'll leave you guys with in engaging. This is just preaching the gospel to this specific issue. Like with everything, Jesus is our hope. He's always our hope. That doesn't change here. And right. so we're not going to get, and we shouldn't just get weirdly only political <laughs> And funnel toward this is why you got to be active and politically involved. Like, well, okay, that's not our hope. Our hope is Christ. Um, and so, how does the gospel preach? You know, how is the gospel good news to this particular issue? And, and so, pointing, like you would with any other issue, pointing people to Jesus as their Savior, as their hope. And as we said with this, that the Christ is our hope because He can re- redeem and transform all of us sinners uh, and anybody who. <laughs> Uh, he chooses, uh, he can redeem us from the inside out. So even the most ardent, uh, hard-hearted racist, if, if God gets a hold of them, if Jesus gets a hold of them, he can change them. Uh, and so that's good news. It's good news that, yes, we deal with this in the broken, fallen world that we're in now, but one day we will not when, when Christ yeah. returns and redeems everything once and for all and ushers in the fullness of the kingdom. These are just elements of the gospel that you can preach to this on top of uh, somebody that, you know, hey, let, let's be honest about our prejudices that we all have them to some degree. Well, the good news is Christ has paid for those. And however, you know, however deep that may go in you, however dark that may be in you, racism, prejudice, uh, the like, Christ has shed his blood to pay for that sin. And so you can be forgiven and redeemed in Christ. Um, you know, these are all things we should be preaching uh, yeah. to this issue and not funneling just toward political activism. Right, and we're focused on on trying to bring unity within the church mm-hmm. while still embracing our cultural differences, our, our different backgrounds, our uniqueness as individuals. Um, but specifically like groups of people, we, we want to embrace our differences, but we also want to come together as one in Christ. Um, yeah. that's, that's, that's one of our huge goals in this. And, it's only an attempt. I want to, I, I want to say like one last time that again we are two white dudes trying <laughs> right. our best. Right. If we put our foot in our mouth at all, please forgive us um, and and teach us because we we want to learn. And and um, for those who, I I don't know. I didn't run this by you, but I know there's lots of references out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have questions or need some references. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. Yeah. There's books. Um, there's, uh, 
There's even people that, that know more than we <laughs> Absolutely. There's, there's plenty of people that know way more than us Absolutely. and way more versed on this. There's, there's other people's um, sermons, other people's books that um, may cover it well um, mm-hmm. and, and pros- probably better than us, but we um, are trying our best and um, we're doing this to, to inform these church planners and yeah. pastors. We may well post some of those links to uh, the Sower's Almanac Twitter uh, that we started fairly recently, which, by the way, go ahead and start following that. We'll probably be more active on posting resources for specific episodes. Um, so I, I think it's just at Sowers Almanac uh, or at the Sowers Almanac. If you search Sowers Almanac on Twitter, you're going to find us. It's a unique name. Uh, so anyway, find our Twitter, and we'll probably post some of those resources when this uh, episode comes out. Um, so we're, we're going to wrap up there. Uh, again, guys, we, we love you. Uh, just know all of this is coming from that place of, of love and, and concern for like, we just want to see us follow Jesus and be faithful to him and loyal to him first and foremost. And that includes a willingness to, to call sin out when it happens um, and to talk about it, engage it well with compassion. Yeah, just, the reality of that this will come up probably. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't even know. I mean, it's almost guaranteed yep. in some way, whether or not it direct or indirect, it'll yes. come up. As a church planner, as a in the broken pastor, world we're in, in, in it's a church come up. community, it's going to come up, and so we need to address it. We need to be mm-hmm. at least aware. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, as we said, this is probably not the last time we're going to talk about this. Thank you, Sean, for yeah. uh, being part of this conversation. Um, as always, guys, especially with a topic like this, please feel free to send in uh, any questions or comments you might have. Uh, go to ransomcitychurch.org. Click on the contact tab and you can fill out uh, a question or comment for the Sower's Almanac. There's a box to check there and that'll go right to us. So please uh, take advantage of that. Again, please show us grace uh, as two white guys doing our best to navigate this, number one. But number two, if you are in a camp where you wrestle with this and we may have ruffled your feathers, please show us grace uh, and engage us in a Christ-like way. Like we, we love you. That's where this is coming from. Um, and so... Um, reach out to us in that yeah, tone, totally. in, in that matter, knowing you know, we're doing our best to encourage and, and uh, try to sharpen one another uh, in putting this out. Uh, and so anyway, we, we, we'd love to hear from you. RainsomCityChurch.org, click on the contact tab. Uh, thank you guys again for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon.